morning, all you beautiful people. Ooh, hot. There, how's that? Is that better? A little bit. So it's Olympic Sunday. Celebrating the Olympics. Started up. Do you might watch the elephant ceremony? Yeah. Yeah? Some of them? All of them? Do you might watch all four hours of the opening ceremony? Or actually I should say all four hours of the commercials in the three minutes of ceremony? I didn't get through all of it. It was a long, long, long time. It was good though. It's neat, neat to follow and neat to watch. How many of you are following certain athletes? Is there any certain athletes that you're following? Nobody? Who are you following? Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps, okay. You've heard his story over the last couple of years? Pretty interesting. Interesting story. Uh, kind of come a long way in his life, right? So we're rooting for Michael Phelps. Who else, who, who else are we rooting for? Anybody else? Okay, Usain Bolt. Yep. He's definitely on top of my list, too. Uh, he's won back-to-back 100 meters uh, uh, open, and so I think he's, if he wins the third one, this will be a record. I don't think anybody's ever won three in a row, so that's kind of cool. Usain Bolt. He's from Jamaica. Yeah, a little bit of a trainer. Well, sort of. Who else? Who else are you rooting for? Anybody? Who are you following? What's that? Missy Franklin. Missy Franklin? Okay. She's in Colorado. Gabby what? Gymnast. Gymnast? Gabby Douglas? Simone Biles. Pretty fun to watch, pretty fun to follow, and uh, interesting to uh, find out what their story is. This is cool. I have a fan. It's the only one I've ever had. (laughs) Fantastic. That's a beautiful thing. This morning we're going to look at a passage of scripture in, in Psalms chapter 1. And um, Psalms is a big book in your Bible, and uh, I want you to turn there with me. And it's right in the middle of your Bible, and it starts with a P. It doesn't start with an S, so it's actually P-Psalm. But anyway, um, find it in your Bible with me, and uh, we're going to look at it for a little while and uh, pull some stuff out of it that I think we can apply to, to where we're at. We're in the, or I should, I should say I'm in the middle of a series and um, it's been a long time since we've been in this series, but it's kind of continuing on. This is actually number four in the series. And uh, we're going to talk about who you run with. And um, as we look at the ath- athletes and as we look at the, the Olympics, and um, we really can get an idea of who they are by who they hang out with. And uh, if you're going to be a good athlete, who are you going to want to hang out with? Well, you're going to want to hang out with good athletes. And um, you're going to want to surround yourself with people who have discipline and people who have, um, uh, can, can give good advice. And some of the coaches, in fact, Michael Phelps' story, part of Michael Phelps' story is that one of his coaches was actually came alongside of him and, and played that father figure in his life when his father had bailed out on him. And um, him and his father have been reunited, but um, that's a, a big story. And so it's, it's one of those things where we, we have to surround ourselves with the kind of people that will that will actually help us along the way and guide us and lead us to the place where we want to be. This is like a story about, or a a sermon about peer pressure. Lloyd, you've been in California for two weeks teaching kids. Um, You know, we're not kids. We're not, we don't, we're not susceptible to, to peer pressure anymore. We're big people now. Well, 
I disagree. You're big people now. But I think we struggle with the same things that our young people struggle with in school. We struggle with it all throughout our lives, and we allow other people to influence us. And uh, I want you to understand that this message is not geared towards the young people. They're going to benefit from it. But I think we surround ourselves with people that, that oftentimes aren't a very good influence. And uh, the title of our message is, You Are Who You Run With. Psalms chapter 1, did you find it yet? Everybody found it? Psalms chapter 1, and we're going to look at the very first verse in this very first book, or very first chapter of this very long book. How many chapters are in Psalms? A lot. 150. So this young man, I shouldn't say young man, this older man, this dad, maybe he's a grandpa at this point, he sits down and he starts to write this book of Psalms. And anytime a preacher goes to the book of Psalms, like, oh great, here we go. The, the frilly poetry that's not even poetry because it's written in Hebrew, so it doesn't even rhyme. Why do we really have to go there? Here's why. The man that wrote this, the men that wrote this, had real-life battle scars. They were in hand-to-hand -hand combat on the battlefield with all kinds of strange weapons. It wasn't a, a time of you sit behind a computer and you fly a drone over and you bomb something. It was a time when the leaders went out onto the battlefield with their swords and their spears and they fought battles. These men had battle scars. And so when he sits down to write these things to his son or to his grandson, it was real battle. It was real war that they were dealing with. It wasn't something uh, that was to be taken lightly. All throughout the book of Psalms, we find where these two stories kind of lead. One story is one of, of a blessed man, and the other story is one of who followed the ungodly. This passage of scripture is absolutely one of my favorite. And um, I think it's a great honor to read the, the Bible, to have God's word in our lives. And so if you wouldn't mind with me, I would like you to stand as we read this very simple passage of scripture. Stand with me as we read Psalms chapter 1 and verse 1. Psalms 1 and verse 1. If you've got it in your Bibles, read it out of your Bibles. If you don't, look right here on the screen. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. I like hearing you help me read it. Let's do it one more time. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Let's pray. God in heaven, we thank you so much for giving us these words that we can allow ourselves to, to grab a hold of and, and put into our lives to make us better people. God, I thank you for those who have written these words down for us. Because, God, if we wouldn't have seen these, if we wouldn't have heard these, if we wouldn't have been able to grab a hold of these things, we'd be getting our advice from all the wrong places. God, help us as we look into these things this morning. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Blessed is the man. Let's stop right there. Blessed is translated from a word, uh, a word that I don't know if I can pronounce it right, Asher, which is it, at its root means straight, to be straight or to be right. Blessed is the man 
uh, speaks of happiness, the blessedness, the contentment in the life of a man or woman who is right or straight with God. A famous preacher, last name Spurgeon, says, It's not blessed is the king. It's not blessed is the scholar. Blessed is the rich. But blessed is the man. This blessedness is as attainable by the poor, the forgotten, the obscure, as by those whose names figure in history and are trumpeted by fame. Blessed is the man. It doesn't matter who you are, man or woman, old person or young person, grandpa or grandchild. It doesn't make any difference. This applies to us. This is a progression. You see it starting with, with the not walking in the counsel of the wicked, not standing in the way of sinners, not sitting in the seat of scoffers. It's a progression. Walks not, stands not, sits not. The blessed man does not do certain things. There is a way one will walk, or a way one will not walk, rather. A path where he will not stand, and a seat he will not sit in. We can say that these speak of thinking, behaving, and belonging. The righteous man and the ungodly man are, are different in how they think, how they, how they behave, and to whom they belong. Are you following me? Do you see this progression? The, the walk is in the thinking. The stand is in the behavior. And the sitting is in the belonging. Challenge yourselves by looking at this. Over the next couple of weeks, there's many athletes that will be challenging themselves beyond maybe even their own understanding or their own ability. I don't think it hurts us any to challenge ourselves when we look at God's word. Challenge the influences in your life right now. If you desire that blessed life, here's what to avoid. We need to avoid it. The way of the mocker. The counsel of the wicked. The, the person who stands in the way of sinners. The, or sitting in the seat of scoffers. So how do they bring us down? How does, how does this advice bring us down? This bad advice. Well, that's, that's the way they do it. That's the way they bring us down. That's the, when we hang out with the wrong people, how they bring us down is they give us bad advice. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. We start thinking the way the world thinks. Well, is it really that much different than regular good old-fashioned advice? Yeah, it is. I think the world gives bad advice. There's all kinds of worldly advice out there. It says, if you cheat, just, just don't get caught. It's basically have, have sex with anyone, anytime, anywhere, just be safe. If you get pregnant and you don't want to be, uh, no big deal, just get an abortion. Drink all you want, just don't drive drunk. Live together, don't marry. Marriage doesn't work anymore, it's broken. If you do marry and you aren't happy, no big deal, just get a divorce. Live life your way. There is no absolute truth. There is no law that should govern what you can and can't do. Look out for number one because no one else will. It all sounds nice. It's kind of the way I want to live my life. Sounds like the easy road, right? The problem is the Bible says it's wicked. 
not the way we might think of wicked, but just ungodly. That's just the ungodly, the way the ungodly think. Do we ever consider if advice is godly or ungodly? I think it's an area that we all fail in. I think we, we all fall short in this area. I think the lines get blurred. We begin listening to the world about what life is all about. We consider its ideas. We consider its theories. And, and you hear advice and the theories about your problems and you find yourself agreeing or disagreeing without ever considering whether it's godly or ungodly advice. Think about this. Is it possible for your own mind, your heart, your conscience to give you bad advice? Yeah, absolutely it is. And if all we do is sit around and, and, and not associate with good people, what happens? Well, we start, in our own head, start giving ourselves bad advice. PJ, you want your fan back? We start giving bad advice. Just because it feels right doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean it is right. Psalms chapter 119 and verse 24, it says, Your laws please me. They give me wise advice. The best place to find advice is God's word. Proverbs in chapter 12 and verse 15 says, Fools think they are doing right, but the wise listen to advice. How do they bring us down? They give us bad advice. You, run, you, you are who you run with. How do they bring you down? Well, secondly, they encourage you to make bad decisions. Blessed is the man who walks, in the counsel, not, walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Don't stand in the way of sinners. Sinners begin, or, or rather, the, the bad advice starts to come with, with thinking the way they think. And then we begin standing where they stand. We begin following along the path that they choose. Sinners have a path where they stand. And the righteous man knows he does not belong on that path. The blessed one is not afraid to take the less traveled road. Because he knows it leads to blessing, to happiness, to eternal life. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13 says, Enter through the narrow gate. The gate is wide and the road is wide that leads to hell. And many people enter through that gate. The righteous man understands this. Do you? Are your actions proving that you understand this? That you get this concept that most people are not going down the right path? They are standing in the way of sinners. They're standing in the place where... God does not view as godly. God does not see it as a place where we should be. I wish we could go through the life, the day and then the life of each and every one of us. Wouldn't it be great if we could click on the screen and start watching an individual's day from, from start to finish, from the time the alarm goes off till the time they fall asleep. And as we go through the day, we would see different opportunities and different things that they made decisions about. Who would we pick? Well, we could pick Adam. We could pick Greg. Hey, that gets two. We could get Brittany and Sarah. That gets three or four. Colton and Josiah. 
Maybe we could look at Harry's day or Kaylin's day. Or John's. Hey, we got two there too. Let's look at each decision that you make as you go through your day. There are probably a thousand or more decisions that you make each and every day. If there were a way for us to see, for us to collectively look at each decision that each individual was making, do you think that we could determine whether or not that decision was based on godly advice or ungodly advice? Do you think we could tell? I do. I think we could tell. There may be some decisions that wouldn't necessarily be one or the other. You go to the refrigerator and you decide whether or not you're going to drink a Mountain Dew or a Cherry Coke. I don't know that God cares which of those abominations you would put in your body. I don't think he cares. Yeah. There may be some decisions that don't matter, but I'll bet you there's a lot of them that do. And I'll bet you there's, there's more than what we actually realize. I think we fail at this. I think we fail at realizing that, you know what, each and every decision determines whether we're following godly advice or whether we're following ungodly. Does it seem like once in a while your life is a little short on joy? Maybe you're not quite as happy as you wish you were. Psalm 16 and verse 11, it says, You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. We may not receive the recognition and publicity and financial gain. That comes from winning a third gold medal for the 100-meter dash like Usain Bolt might. But God allows something better. Usain Bolt from Jamaica is going to run later this week for the third straight gold medal in the 100-meter dash. Filled with joy, eternal pleasures, continual celebration. Hmm. Maybe for a few minutes. How long do you think the, the fanfare lasts for a gold medal winner? There may be some financial gain. There may be some, uh, maybe some commercial opportunities or something like that. But seriously, think about it. How long does that bliss last? A couple weeks? A couple months? Probably not very long. This passage of scripture says... You fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. God's going to give it and continually, continually give it for the rest of our lives. The joy we're talking about is never ending. If we listen to bad advice, we end up empty. It happens often. When you're, when you're in a bad spot and you start sharing with your friends and family and maybe coworkers, you know, this is how I feel about it. And I just think that, you know, I just can't go on like this anymore. And I just, I'm just not feeling it anymore. Those folks around you will often say what? You know what? You're right. You should just end it right now. You should just call it off. There's no sense in being unhappy. Just, just end it. Proverbs 29 and verse 5 says, to flatter friends is to lay a trap for their feet. If you've got a friend that always agrees with you, they're not your friend. 
If you've got people that surround you that always agree with the decisions you make, you know what? They're probably not giving good advice. They encourage us to make bad decisions. And thirdly, they lower our standards. The passage of scripture that I go to next is one that is, is absolutely goofy. And it's, it's, it's one that it's like, I can't believe that's even true. I, I really, do you really believe that that's true? And then Paul puts at the beginning of it, don't be fooled. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33. Believe it or not, this passage applies to everyone. And Paul knew that we were going to be fooled by this concept. Don't be fooled. Bad friends will ruin good habits. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Have you taken up residence in a place of those who's, who are giving bad advice? Are you feeling comfortable there? Are you, are you feeling like you belong there now? It becomes possession. That bad advice has got you to think that the counsel of, uh, think the way the counsel of the ungodly. Then it got you to stand in their way. It's got you to follow the path that they have taken. And you have begun behaving in the way they do. Now, he says that you have been seated with them. This is the new normal. It's no longer following godly advice, advice from God's word. The harder, narrower, more difficult road has been traded for an easier one. You have found rest in this bad advice. You have become content here in the ungodly advice. Yeah, yeah, I understand what scripture says about this, but, but you have to understand why my life is different here. He said those words. Honestly, I think that for many of us, we're in this place of contentment with bad advice. With the choices that feel right at the time. That, that place isn't what we thought it would be, though. It doesn't feel as good as we expected it to. In 1000 BC, when this passage was written, this, this seat that he is describing was also describing a place of judgment. The seat, the judgment seat, this justice was served from this seat. When we make it to this place of sitting in the seat of scoffers, we can very easily justify our lives. We're comfortable. The people around me agree with me. I've talked to a lot of people and they think that, you know, they think that I should, I should leave this marriage. I've, I've talked to a lot of people and, and they really think that I should take this job. You know, my wife and I have decided that, that this would be best for our family. When we start thinking the way of the world and then start behaving the way they do, it won't be long till we are settled in to an ungodly way. We'll feel a sense of belonging in this way. We can justify our lives before God because we feel like we, feel like we aren't alone in this one. Think about it. God wants us to look at where we are at. Who we have been taking advice from. The next few verses, he sort of flips it around. Look at it with me. 
Psalms chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Talking about the blessed man here. He says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers like a tree planted by the water. Have you ever driven through eastern Colorado? It's pretty flat, right? And it's great to ride snowmobiles out on, on the eastern plain when we get enough snow out there because there's, there's not very many culverts and holes to fall in because usually when there's a river or stream, what's next to it? Trees. Big, huge, towering trees. And you can see them from miles away. You come to a river and what do you see? Trees. Huge, gigantic trees that have been there for probably a century or more. Big trees. Like a tree planted by the water. They know that that stream of life comes from right there. And so they have planted themselves right next to that stream of water so that they can flourish. When the frozen tundra comes of the middle of the winter and it gets to be down to zero or maybe 10 or 15 below, yeah, the leaves fall off, but you know what? The tree remains. In the scorching heat of August, when we're not getting much rain, it's cloudy and it looks like it's going to, but then it just doesn't. What still remains? The grass all dies and turns brown, but what still remains? That tree planted by the water. God wants you to feel like you are able to to succeed, that you have purpose, that you belong. God wants you to feel the joy that comes from an authentic relationship with Him. It's not just a thing you do on the weekend. Went to church, check it off. Not like a monk here. He's not, he's not talking about meditating like a monk does, uh, you know, sitting on the, a rocking chair, rocking back and forth and, and reciting these verses. He's talking about regurgitating. Look at the verse. It says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates. Instead of the word meditate, think about the word regurgitate. Okay? Cows are gross and they're disgusting, but you know what? They have lots of stomachs, and that's what happens. They eat some grass, and it sits in one stomach, and then it gets regurgitated back up, and they chew it again, and then they swallow it again. That's what we're talking about. Instead of meditate like a monk does, think about regurgitate. Okay? So the verses and the passages of Scripture and the advice that God gives, we regurgitate, and we bring it back up, and we think about it again. Take it in, swallow it down, then bring it up later and chew on it for a while. Think about God's word. Think about his advice. Think about those things and apply them to our lives. How do I become one of those who is planted by the waters, who produces fruit, avoids and can, and can live through the frozen tundra and the scorching heat? We start following God's word. Start following his advice. God, I want to live a life that's blessed. I want to live a life that counts for something. A dad in 1000 BC writes and sits down and writes and says, this is where we start. We look at where we're taking advice from. Look at verse 3. They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. 
Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff, scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. There's a drastic difference here. There is two paths laid out, plain and simple, in this first couple of, paths, or first couple of verses in the book of Psalms. You can, you can mess with the, the ungodly and mess with the bad advice, or you can go with God's word and his advice. And look what takes place. The paths are set. There's a drastic difference. On one hand, you have this solid tree planted by the water. The picture of, of decades of strength. And on the other, you have chaff. What is chaff? Well, they typically put the threshing floors high on a, on a, a hill. So that the wind, when the wind blew, blows, blows through, it would take care of the chaff. They would lay the grain out on this, the threshing floor and they would stomp the, the grain. Sometimes they would use rocks and different things to, to get the grain separated from the chaff. They would put it all in a big blanket. And there may be four guys or maybe just two if it was a small, small blanket. They would put it in some sort of tarp or blanket or, or canvas and they would throw it up in the air. They would toss it up in the air. And as the breeze blew through, the light, worthless chaff would blow off and blow down the side of the hill. And what would land back in the blanket? Well, that was the good stuff. They couldn't find any use for chaff. It was, it was not good for walking on because it would get caught in your feet. It wasn't good to, you, you couldn't mash it down to anything worthwhile. It was, there was no use for it other than to let the wind blow it away. Big difference. A tree planted by the water or chaff that you just want to blow away. I have some questions for you. You need to ask yourself a couple questions about who you run with. Number one, who do I get my advice from? Think about it for a second. Who do you share your struggles with? Think about the name. Think about the name of the person. Think about their face. Think about the person that you typically go to when you're having a struggle. For guys, we say, oh, well, nobody. We don't, we don't share with anybody. Guys, that's where the problem starts. Because you know what? We get inside our own heads. And yet, you know what's there? Bad advice. Whoever we are sharing our struggles with, they are the ones that we are taking advice from. <clears throat> Who do you confide in? Who is the one that you share your struggles with? And secondly, who do I look for the approval of my choices? Who do I share my financial situations with? Who do I talk to about my marriage? Who do I talk to about my old lady or my old man? I hope you don't talk about your spouse that way. Who do you talk to about a situation that you have with the kids? Who do you talk to about uh, a struggle at your job? promise you this, no matter what you want, no matter what you desire, you can find somebody, somebody who agrees with your choice. You can always find someone who can help you justify your selfish decisions and actions. 
I don't care how extreme you want your, you want your life to be, whether it's, it's crazy, ridiculously risky, or whether it's ridiculously lazy, conservative or liberal, Republican or Democrat, caring or apathetic, you can always find someone to side with you on an issue. You can always find justification. Where do you go for approval? It determines who you're getting advice from. Because when you're going to them for approval, if they approve and what you did was wrong, you're getting ungodly advice. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Make every effort to give yourself to God as the kind of person He will approve. God's the one we should be looking to for approval. Be a worker who is not ashamed, who, who uses the teaching in the right way. Proverbs 27 verse 5 says that it's better to correct someone openly than to have love and not show it. The slap of a friend can be trusted to help you, but the kisses of an enemy are nothing but lies. 27 verse 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Do you have friends who will give you good advice? Godly advice? Are those the friends that you're hanging out with? Are those the friends that you're sharing your struggles with? Because those are the ones that are going to help you get better. They're going to help you stay on the right path and not get made into chaff. Let's get real for a minute. So, so I like to shoot my bow. Is there archery anywhere? Did you do an archery one? No? Okay. So anyway, that's one of the, one of the games is, uh, is archery. And um, I love to shoot my bow. It's, it's really fun. We actually go to um, uh, archery tournaments. We go out here to Long Hagler and we shoot in these tournaments. They're 3D tournaments. They set up, I don't know, there's like, how many are there? 50? How many is in one shoot? 25, something like that. Okay, so there's a whole bunch of them they set up. And you get one arrow to shoot in each of those targets. And you score based on where you hit. And um, the score is added up at the end of the time, and you write it up on the little board, and, and that's sort of the competition, right? So when I'm going out there to the, to the archery range, and I'm going to shoot in a 3D tournament, do you know who I want in my group to travel with, to go around the, to go around the course with? I want my wife and Cameron and Colton and Castlin in my group. You know why? Because they make me look good. Carol lost half her arrows the last time we went. Colton broke several and lost several. Cameron's probably the only one that sort of I don't like to hang out with too much because sometimes she'll outshoot me. Castlet's great because sometimes her arrows don't even stick in the target. It's awesome. They just bounce off. It is, it is great. And it makes me feel great. Do you know who I don't want in my group? BJ and Brian. Those guys, I don't want them in my group. Because when I'm in their group, I'm not, I feel about this big. I, I'm not very good. I'm not very good at, at hitting the target. They step the bar up a lot. But you know what? If I shoot in my family group, I don't get near the score I would get if I shot with BJ and Brian. Because you know why? When I'm standing there holding my bow and I'm shooting and they're watching, the first couple of targets, they're giving me advice. Lloyd, you should, you should stand a little bit different, or you should hold, your knocking point seems to be moving. When you, when you release your bow, you should let go of it and let it fall out of your hand, because when you hold on to it, sometimes you, all of these little tips and tricks that they're giving me, what? 
They're good advice. They make me a better shooter. They make me into something better. But it's not as much fun. I don't feel as good about myself when I'm done. Right? Think about your life. Think about your situations. Think about what you want to get better in. Are you just hanging out with your little family group that makes you feel good? Or are you allowing someone to challenge you? Get approval from your, of your choices from God himself and from someone who is godly themselves. My final question there is that what is, what is my ultimate guide? Is it the world or is it the word? Psalms 119, 105, he gets almost to the end of the book of Psalms and he throws us, throws us a, a, a tidbit of wisdom. It says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. I don't come to church because I'm a Christian. I come to church because I want to be changed. I want to hear from God's word. I I want it applied to my life. I want to know what I can do to get better. I am present at Sunday morning service because I want to hear the message. I attend the discussion groups after the sermon because, because I want to be accountable for my actions and I want to help others do the same. I attend couples class or blended family class or a, or a Bible study class in the afternoon because God's word is my guide and I want it to be that. I attend services on Wednesday evening. I make it a priority in my life because I know how important it is to surround myself with good advice from good people who want to help me get better. These aren't the only times I seek to allow God's word to be my guide. But this is where I start. The book of Psalms starts there as well. He lays it out. Two approaches to life. The next 150 chapters, he follows each choice. And we see what happens to those who listen to ungodly advice and those who listen to godly advice. Who do you run with? You might say, I don't hang out with anyone. I'm just by myself. Trust me. You are your worst enemy. You influence yourself in a negative way and far more than any other person could. But how do we avoid the extremes? There's, there's these extremes about, about listening to godly and ungodly advice, about hanging out with people from the world versus people from the church. There's extremes. The first extremes is this, and you need to avoid it. It says, I can't be friends with the world. We use verses like James chapter 4 and verse 4. It says, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? And I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself the enemy of God. 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 17 says, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. No non-Christian friends in your life. That's one extreme. We could build a, a what do they call those, a commune? We could all move in and build a 12-foot wall around us and, and everybody stay inside so that we weren't tainted by the world. Is that going to get the mission of the church accomplished? No, it's not. We can't take the extreme that we can't be friends with those in the world. That's not what these verses are saying. If you can come alongside of that non-Christian friend and you're content with their mindset and their way of thinking, with their behavior, you've got no place having a Lord in your life. But on the other hand, if we're following along with them, we aren't a city on a hill. We're not shining our little light like we're supposed to. 
we're not the salt of the earth. If they can't tell the difference between us and them, there's a problem there. He paints a clear distinction. Either you will be a tree planted by the water or chaff blown by the wind. There is a difference. You are who you run with. The second extreme you need to realize and you need to avoid is this. I've heard this excuse many times. Well, Jesus hung out with the party crowd. Why can't I? Look at Mark chapter 2 with me real quick. I don't know if it's in your notes sheet or not. I don't think it's on the screen. Mark chapter 2, it's the second book in the Gospels. I want us to look at it for just a second. Because it really kind of helps us understand what Jesus did and who he actually did hang out with. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 15. It says, Later Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. <laughs> he sets it up. Who is Levi? Levi was a tax collector, right? So the, the Jewish people were under the rule of Roman government, and Matthew, Levi, was a tax collector. He was set aside, or he was hired by the Roman government to take taxes from the Jewish people to give to the Roman government, right? So Levi comes along and asks you, knocks on your door and says, okay, it's you, you got to pay up on, on your taxes, and here's how much the Roman government is asking for, which he had inflated by about three or four times because that's the way Levi or Matthew made his living. He made his living by extorting his own people. He made his living by coming to your door and asking for more than what the Roman government was actually asking for. He was not a good guy. And he was not somebody that was loved by the people. It says there, there were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. It's interesting to me that the Bible very plainly says that these people were following Jesus. There's a difference between a crowd that's running from God and a crowd that is following God. It doesn't matter who they are, where they are, what they're doing. If they're following God, there's a difference in their life, isn't there? Keep reading there with me. But when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Followers of Jesus are sinners who understand that they're sinners and are on their way to a better life. Come as you are, but don't stay that way. That's Jesus' message. We accept you as you are. God wants you as you are, but we don't want to stay that way because we want to follow Jesus. We want to become more like him. We want to follow his good advice. Proverbs 12 and verse 26 says, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Jesus never sent us out alone. He always wants us in a community. He's not telling us that we can't hang out with people, that we can't be the, the kind of people we want to be. He wants us to be in, in, in the crowd, in the, in the group, but he doesn't want us to party like them. Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to end with this passage of scripture. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 24. When we're thinking about all the ungodly ways and all the, the, the ungodly advice and the godly advice, I want us to focus on this passage of scripture to end this morning. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. I think theme Sundays, I think this crazy paraphernalia all over the walls is one way that we thought of to motivate us to, to have a good time, to be here in services and to enjoy each other. Verse 25 says, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So let's do it. Full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. Not avoiding worshiping together as some do but spurring one another on, especially as we see this big day approaching. Christ returning someday. He's coming back for his bride. He's coming back for his church. And we want to encourage each other to stay on that track, to stay in that family of believers, that community. We'll be listening to godly advice, not ungodly. You are who you run with. Final statement, final thought. Be friendly to everyone, but choose wisely who you are friends with. Friends are a big influence on our lives. And those we run with will determine what we become. If you want to be a great person, start hanging out with somebody that is great. If you want to be an Olympic swimmer, you probably want to hang out with Michael Phelps. If you want to be a, a, a 100 meter racer, a runner, uh, you know, a sprinter, who you want to hang out with? You want to hang out with guys like Usain Bolt. If you want to be a godly person, a person who follows godly advice, you want to hang out with somebody. You want to put yourself, you want to surround yourselves with people who also are putting godly advice in place in their lives and following it to the best of their ability. God's way is the way that it's going to lead to life. And uh, the other way is it's going to make us into chaff. Blown by the wind. You know people like that? just blown by the wind, not really worth much, don't really have much purpose, I don't want to be one of those. I want to be one that's planted by the water, like a tree planted by the water, who is firm and grounded and is not swayed by all kinds of crazy stuff going on. You know what? There's a lot of people right now that are really scared about the elections. They're freaked out to the point that they're just, ah, it's going nuts. Yeah, it's scary, but you know what? If you're planted like a tree planted by the water in God's word, you know what? The elections are going to come and go, and we're going to continue to live our lives the way God wants us to. Planted firm. I think back 16 years ago about Y2K. It's such a laughing stock of craziness now. Like, oh, no, the world's going to end. We're not going to have clean water. We're not gonna, the computers are all going to die. Everything's going to shut down. There's people that stocked up food for years to make sure that they were going to be able to survive. I'm not saying we shouldn't be prepared for things. But I look at that like, like chaff in the wind. Like God just takes a big blanket and just goes like this and just the chaff just goes and flies away. And what's good and solid lands back in that blanket to be used by him. I appreciate your, your attention this morning. I thank you for being here. And I appreciate your attention.
And I hope that there's been some things that we've shared this morning that can bless your life. And uh, interdependence, being dependent on those around us to get us to where we want to go. These relationships that we're establishing now are eternal. And they can go on forever. And um, that's a beautiful thing. And uh, you are who you run with. And it uh, depends on who you, who you want to be. That's who you should run with. We've got some great things planned uh, in the next few minutes here. We're going to, uh, in just a few seconds, be dismissed with prayer.